everybody and welcome to today's podcast. Today it's our great pleasure to have with us Charlotte Raffo of The Monkey Puzzle Tree. Charlotte is the CEO and the founder and runs her business from the north of England. Charlotte, welcome to today's podcast. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Great, great, great pleasure. Absolutely love what you're doing in the north. Um, So, so, so much going on. Could you tell us what the catalyst was um, that defined your vision? and Why did you found the monkey puzzle tree? Um, well, I think it was probably a series of what seemed like disconnected events um, at the time throughout my life that kind of led to founding monkey puzzle tree. So um, the, 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 I suppose the, the actual catalyst was my, my friends. I had a lot of artist friends and or have a lot of artist friends and my friend Sarah Thornton. Um, it was an artist and she was talking to me about how she'd love to get her art onto um, product or onto fabric. And she was really interested in doing that, but she had no idea where to start. Um, and my background was in I'd been a textile buyer at Mamas and Papas, the nursery brand um, uh-huh. for 10 years. So I knew how to do that um, and I knew where to get things made. So I thought, oh, that's an interesting um, idea, but that doesn't help me. That's not really a job. And then she kind of suggested that I could pay the artists a royalty. Um, so that's how that came about, about. And we pay our artists a 20% royalty on on the designs that they do to help support them. Um, and then the other aspect was my my first job was in a tannery in Leeds. Um, so we were making, the tannery made leather for lux- high-end luxury brands like Louis Vuitton, um, Camper, all sorts of people. Um, it was quite a disgusting smelly place to work really but just completely fascinating um so I worked there and I was doing um finishing design and development um which was just the most amazing and creative job and it was just so nice to be hands-on um but after six years of working there in 2006 the tannery sadly closed down and everybody lost their jobs there were a couple couple of hundred jobs lost Um, and that was really sad so and all this or most of the skills you know people got different jobs in different industries some people have been there for 40 years some people never got other jobs um and I thought I was so so sad that it was something that that was lost really and you'd never be able to get Mm. back so a real big part of the business is that I want to support other local local um mills who are making all these amazing products so that they can keep keep going and and also help promote them um so that that doesn't happen again so you keep all of those artisans, artisan skills alive and all of those. T- you're so right. All of that knowledge that's lost um, is so important to to keep hold of that history, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's kind of, well, when you get slightly older, you realise how, how mm. easy it is to lose something like that. I think when you're younger, you just sort of presume, oh, it's just always there. But actually, those those people now who we still meet up with every year, there's still a reunion. But, they, you know, a few of them have sadly passed away. Uh, most of them aren't in the leather industry anymore. So those skills have just literally gone. You know, the, the stuff wasn't yeah. written down anywhere. So that's, no, that's a real shame. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The same thing happened in my side of the textile industry too. You know, when when we lost lots of the mills in the, the late 90s, really early 2000s, you know, thousands and thousands of people with incredible skills were lost. And now the industry needs them back. But it's too late. So much of it has gone. We now have to re-educate a whole generation yeah it's 
it's a real shame, isn't it? And it's almost like we've gone backwards because those yes. skills and that knowledge have been lost. So even if we re-educate new people now, you know, who's going to do the educating? It's yeah, you're absolutely right. No, it's, it's so great to to hear you championing championing both the next generation and you know historic tradi- traditional techniques as well. All at the same time, really, it's kind of bringing the best of both worlds together, isn't it? Yes, I hope so. Yeah. All right. It's, it's fantastic. So just before we move on to talk about the designers, etc., can you tell us about the interior products that you offer? Because you offer a wide variety of products, don't you? So we mainly focus on wallpapers and textiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try and make them a really innovative textile. So my thing is to try and do something you've not seen before. So we've got real cork wallpaper, which has got this amazing industrial uh sort of design from the industrial north designed by yeah. uh, drew millward who's quite quite a prominent illustrator and um all these textiles like we've had um our latest fabric we had specially woven in a tiny little mill locally in barnoldswick and then screen printed so the main focus is wallpaper and textiles for interiors but we mm-hmm. also do ready-made cushions um, and lampshades so you can kind of buy a little bit a little bit or something if you're not doing a whole redoing a whole yeah. room you can buy something to put in your room just to add a bit of uh, character so you can just buy the, as you say the accessories really so you buy yes. an accent yeah um that can complement something that you already have or just like you say a feature wallpaper and a, a couple of cushions or a drape or or a blind and a couple of cushions just to sweet it all together Yes, yes. Blinds have been really doing really well, actually. Roman yeah. people have been making Roman blinds because it's quite an economical way to use quite an expensive, obviously our fabrics are quite expensive to use that, a small piece, and you can really get a great impact by making a Roman blind from it. Yeah, but, you, but yeah, well, let's get you more curtain cells because curtains use yeah. a lot more fabric. <laughs> yes, that would be great. <laughs> 2.5, I think, isn't it, by, by width or something like yes. that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, let's see if we can um, generate some of those for you. That's, that sounds really good. Um, you also use lots and lots of different substrates, don't you? You have a really interesting uh, materials that you're using. You're very, very careful with how you twin design and the material it's going to be printed on. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it's really my aim is to, to take the, almost like the essence of the artist Mm-hmm. And imagine how that would translate into product. So they've often they've they've not they've mainly done um, prints on paper or original artwork on on paper, but not not done product. So I suppose it's really like just sort of like with the lino print. Uh, Alexis Snell does lino print. So we've really tried to when I've done the wallpaper, it's a surface print, which is quite a similar process to lining lino printing, where you've got a carved rubber roller and the rubber roller is kind of dipping into the ink and really pressing it onto the wallpaper very similar to a liner print you get this lovely texture mm-hmm. um, and then with Sarah Thornton who was our original artist she's done um, a wallpaper called Shicho Science which was it's actually inspired by some um, graph paper my mum's a science lecturer and she was um, getting rid of some vintage graph paper from her lab and I gave it to Sarah and Sarah filled in birds and did pen- pencil drawings over this graph paper. Um, and it's really beautiful. And that's actually a digital print. And we've chosen the paper so that it really looks like you've got that original piece of art, like you've got that graph paper. And you can almost, you can see the rubbings out of the pencil on it. So it's just like yeah. a real sort of reproduction of that art rather than just kind of taking all our designs and just putting them on the same st- substrate with the same inks. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a really, the process of really 
really important part and I suppose the bit that I really like most as well. So again, it's that kind of combination of like the, the provenance of the work and the pattern of time, isn't it? And using the way I love the way that you use whichever technology you think is applicable to get the best out of both, really. Yeah, and that's something that I really enjoy kind of think about it, not just in like two dimensions yeah. as this print, but looking more into the material and how that kind yeah. of portrays that end design. Yeah. I mean, you do really create beautiful luxury products, Charlotte. Um, they are absolutely amazing. And you've recently won two awards, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. So congratulations there. But before we move on to those, um, why do you focus on working with designers and artists in the north of England? So that's um, slightly slightly evolved, I suppose. When I started, I've started with um, Sarah Thornton and she lives around the corner from me. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew her and then that, there was a, a few other artists that I knew. Um, and then when it came to looking for, for other other artists, I was kind of like, how how do I approach this? Because there's probably hundreds of thousands of artists that, you know, I could look to. And you've somehow you've got to narrow that down. And I always like having yeah. a bit of a tighter brief because I think it makes you really search for something that's maybe more, mm-hmm. you, not, not just taking the most obvious route in anything. So I realised that all of our, artists were local and I thought well maybe that should be a thing maybe we should just use artists from the north because after all in a way um, there's less creative opportunities up here than there are if we were based in London so that's that's quite a nice thing to do to help local people who who live locally and then that that sort of became another thing where I was thinking well if I am representing artists from the north and from our local area actually we should have um, people from more ethnically diverse backgrounds as well they shouldn't they should actually represent they shouldn't just be the people that I happen to know mm-hmm. it should be a proper representation so um last year we went to real effort to try and find some people from different backgrounds but all living in the north and it was just so successful because before that I'd kind of put a call out for new artists and to be honest what we got was very samey it was very trend focused and I I got maybe like six very similar Lima drawings, which yeah. is a bit random. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. this isn't really yeah. this isn't really the direction that I want to go in because I've not seen anything that's new where I've looked at it and thought, yeah. oh, that's totally different from anything I've ever seen before, which is what I want. So did you so, go off grid did you go off grid to find them? Um did you- well I think the the Black Lives Matter that sort of whole thing kind of really sort of fed into that publicity and uh-huh. um, sort of social media helped. Um, but I have to tell you, it took quite a long time to find yeah. um, Josephine and Simon. And like Josephine, it turns out she's like three miles away from my really? studio, probably less. Wow. But I'd never, you know, in the years I've been working, I've never come across her. So it just shows that we can sometimes just be really restricted by our social circles and the people that we can find and that sometimes going out of that yeah. can really bring sort of difference and something new and, and exciting. And it's like really worth the, worth the, worth the effort to do yeah. that, I think. Yeah. yeah. So yes, her new design will be, um, it's taken COVID's kind of taken its toll and um, our design process. So I think it's oh. going to be next year, next year when we, um, when we bring out her design. Um, so that's really exciting. Then the year after we're going to be doing, Simon's fabric so I can't wait for those because I know what they're going to be already and they're going to be amazing um oh it's so exciting isn't it so Charlotte your 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 artists 
you then help them to become designers too. So some are designers, some are some are artists, artisans in their own right. How do you mentor your partners to grow their creativity and develop commercial opportunities for them, with them, I guess? Yeah, I mean, some, some of them, uh, I'd say, you know, they, they often, they, they're doing really well on their own. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, it's, I think it's quite a different skill to perhaps make a pattern repeat and just yes. think differently and I like to do that in quite a non sort of orthodox way um like my background isn't really like I actually did chemistry at university so my background isn't in design so I was thinking you can approach things from a from a different angle so I like to take the designs and we sometimes they'll come in and we'll like cut them out um, and stick them together with sellotape do things on a huge scale which I think for a lot of people is quite different if you've worked on paintings you're usually confined by your canvas often the canvas that you can afford which might be quite small so actually doing things on a huge scale can be quite freeing and just give a completely different perspective um on the art so yeah we really work kind of quite creatively and i'd sort of try to push the background boundaries of i usually have a sort of bit of a vague idea in my head but try and try and push those boundaries um to create something really different You definitely do. And I think, you know, you can really see you thinking outside of the box. And I think, you know, um, from my background, really, so often designers kind of think in a box, don't they? I suppose a commercial designer can be hemmed in by that box, which would normally be repeat. So it's actually really refreshing as as you're doing to take the concept and just reverse it completely to do something completely new and very, very, very refreshing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think I think it's it's really nice to do something new and and to maybe approach a brief in a different different way. And also with the artists that I choose, I really don't want them to be commercial designers where they've designed for a brief. I really want them to have their own very specific yeah. sort of style that they've. I mean, most of the artists that we work with, they've been working for you know a couple of decades, and so they've really got their own style which doesn't change, yeah. and that's quite quite important. And I think that helps make the t- make the the end result timeless and yes. I really don't want it to become a trend thing where it's like a throwaway um interior I want it to be a kind of more slow interior thing where you know you've got this thing and it's a beautiful piece of art and you love it forever it's collectible yeah and yeah. and it's just something that's got this real perm that it's it's diff it's not boring um in a way like oh it's not going to date so we're just going to get something yeah. that's beige it's really interesting but it's just different from anything else that's out there um, so it yeah. just, it's not really of its time in that way. Yeah. And I guess it, it's, it's um, stop. what you're doing is you, you're creating these beautiful luxury items which are functional but not necessarily purchased to be functional in that way. And that, that, you know, you're creating beautiful, beautiful fabrics that create beautiful blinds, et cetera, et cetera, that are, are, are visually delightful um, and enhance the interior um, rather than kind of that reverse side of having things that are mass produced that you see everywhere. You know, you, you're allowing people to create their own eclectic um, interiors using artistic pieces of art that happen to be transposed onto wall coverings and textiles, I guess. Yes. And it's nice that like a lot of the upholstery fabric that we sell is to people who've maybe inherited a chair. So it's something that's real got real sentimental value and they want to create something maybe update it a bit or it's a bit tatty but they want to create something beautiful with something that's got a sort of real memory and heritage to it which is something i think is really nice exactly it's not throwaway is it at all you you're 
you, you know, you're investing in a beautiful textile that you're going to adore for, for years to come. It's not a trend, as you say. It's a piece yeah, of Yeah, I really hope so. <laughs> yeah, there, there you can see that. I mean, everyone that's listening really, you know, you must have a look at Charlotte's website, The Monkey Puzzle Tree, because it is absolutely beautiful. There's so many beautiful, beautiful patterns and prints and um, installation pieces in there. It's lovely. Charlotte, could you tell us a little bit about the technologies that you're using for printing textiles and, and your wall coverings too? We touched on it earlier, but it would be really interesting for me to and our listeners to discover how you're using um, you're using flatbed as well aren't you You're using rotary using all sorts of different technologies yes so um that's really my thing that i really like doing so mm-hmm. um we've used we've used different sub- substrates for wallpaper like the, the cork which has been really successful and um, yeah. also that won an award earlier this year um yeah flatbed for metamorphosis was um which is the fabric that's just won um the award that we got a couple of weeks ago that's mm-hmm. that was really challenging so i'm quite glad that that one won the award because it was such a lot of work so it's all it's a flatbed and it's different um and it was so good that the um it was it's made by stead McAlpin in um carlisle mm-hmm. and they really had to put quite a lot of effort um right um you know into creating that because it's got this marble kirsty's designed it so it's got this she does marbling and I think it's called pareidolia where you, you see faces and different objects in patterns. So she does a random marbling pattern and then picks out these faces. And in, in the fabric, you can see there's like tendrils and horns and all sorts of fantastical things. So when we printed it, I wanted to, I was limited really with the number of screens for budgetary reasons, obviously, yeah, <laughs> um, course, only being yeah. a small company. So we, we tried hard to get this marble, this sort of really fluid tonal marbling effect um using i think it's a half tone screen and then we've got metallics on it and um there's there's like green tendrils and they're done in quite a bright shiny ink and then there's a gray matte ink for the faces so it's just trying to really create depth in that design despite it only being um using four four flatbed screens um, that's great and then we did You're getting um, the, the most value out of every screen that you've got there haven't you Whilst yes also creating a beautiful quality Yes, absolutely. And maybe if we'd had unlimited budget and loads of screens, perhaps what we would have come out with might have been a bit more conventional, which might have been a shame. So sometimes I think it's good yeah. to have to have those restrictions. Um, and then another fabric that we did was quite, which was quite interesting, is body lace by mm-hmm. Sarah Jane Palmer, um, which is a like a naughty naughty lace neck curtain, um, yeah. which looks like an innocent sort of pink neck curtain. Uh, it's a voile, but when you look closely, it's got. Uh, some sort of couples in an embrace shall we say um, and that's <laughs> okay. that's a burnout technique so that was really interesting to do because Sarah's great-grandfather worked in the Nottingham lace industry so oh, she wow. really liked the idea of working with lace and we wanted to kind of create this lace but in a more contemporary way so we did a, a burnout voile which is so you you get the the base fabric um, and they screen print an ink on it that kind of eats away at part of the fiber um, I think it's viscose polyester yeah yeah um and and then you get this kind of amazing foil that's where you can see parts of it see-through and parts of it aren't which is i think a really really nice and interesting fabric it is it's beautiful it's really up market effect as well you create some stunning effects using that technology that not technology that that process i guess we should call it beautiful yeah can you just just before we we touch on on the awards and the other things? Can you tell us about the metamorphosis? Because you also um, decided to print that on unbleached linen as well, didn't you? 
Yeah, so that was a bit like everything. It was a bit of a journey. I think the first uh, base cloth I wanted to go with, there was like huge minimums on it. So I couldn't yeah. do that. So we had to look at something else. Um, and I just saw that and the, the unbleachedness of it. I just thought it looked so so natural and so beautiful. It's such a, a warm colour. And I really like the kind of, well, for a start, it's more environmentally friendly because it's not been bleached. Also, we haven't dyed it. So, you know, we've saved yeah. a lot of uh, chemical usage there and a lot of processing. But it's just such a natural, beautiful base. And then yeah. I really like that contrast of we've got metallic elements with that kind of completely natural base. I just think it's a really beautiful combination. Um, and we've done similar on our latest fabric as well. There's also not not dyed that's a linen cotton blend um which we've had woven and we've, we're just using that in its natural form it looks really nice they do they are absolutely stunning they really are beautiful beautiful products so let's let's move on then because we have you have great celebrations don't you you've won two awards this year charlotte which is an amazing accomplishment for a small business it's really fantastic so could you tell us um about the hotel design Britlist, you won best in British product design, didn't you? Could you tell us all about that? Um, yes. So I don't know what the Congratulations. We won best in product design, and that was quite a surprise, really, because yeah, um, there, there were lots of quite large, large companies um, who made the shortlist. So it was really a complete shock to win it. So um, yeah, it's just it's just amazing, and I, I really hope that it kind of helps our visibility and also for people yeah. to build trust in us i think as a luxury brand it's quite hard when you start off because you've got high priced product that you're expecting people to spend quite a lot of money on and people really need to have that trust so hopefully hopefully the award will really help with that i'm sure it will i'm sure it will it's fabulous it's really great really great for your brand could you tell us about the um, the design guildmark award as well that you won for the cork wallpaper earlier this year yes so that was um that was that was earlier this week. Well, it was I think it was supposed to be last year actually, but uh, COVID okay. kind of delayed it. So um, <laughs> we were, I was supposed to go down and, to London to present about the uh, the wallpaper, but um, in the end, I had to make a three minute video, which is a bit cringy, but it's on my website if you want to have a look at it. <laughs> All about I'm how, sure how we it's made not. The, <laughs> how we made the um, how we how we designed and made the the yeah. wallpaper. Um, um, yeah, and that was just um, also there's some really really great great brands have been awarded design guild marks and it's a real I can't think of the word now it's a, but an accomplishment it's a massive accomplishment yeah yeah it's it's really nice um I mean I suppose the thing about me is that I'm not although it's really nice to win awards and stuff I, I um I kind of do things that I think are right and different and I'm not that always that bothered if people other people like them which obviously is not always great for business but um yeah it's it's lovely to have to have that recognition um and hopefully it'll be really good for for our business in the future as well it's great i mean charlotte that's why your business stands out that's why the designs stand out the whole ethos of the company stands out because you are different and um and that's so so important so you know well done it really is a, a huge accomplishment to get two awards in the space of maybe should we call it 18 months then um, but well done. And I'm sure it's going to be really, really great for business and really, really great for reach moving forward so that more people get to hear about yourself, the service you're providing and all of the great artisans that you you represent, really. And um, 
how, yeah, it's just so such good news for the interior industry. The interior industry needs more eclectic product. It needs to get a move further and further away from mass production. So, you know, hats off to what you're doing. I absolutely love it. It looks fabulous. Oh, Congratulations. Thank you. That's very kind. No, it does. It really goes, does. Charlotte, could you tell us about how important trade shows have been in growing your company? I think you've just come back from Decorex, haven't you, as well? Yes, I think they've been really important and it was probably something that I really missed over lockdown. I mean, I think for us, we're we're based in Leeds. Um, we make everything within 100 miles of Leeds. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, our, custom, our core customers really are London and the South. Um, what we do is quite... I suppose quite innovative, quite unique, and you've got to be, as well as being able to afford our products, you've you've kind of got to be really interested in design, I think, and wanting something different uh-huh. um, to to put our products in in your house. So, what I found is most of our kind of core customer market is in is in London. So that means that going to London trade fairs is a really important part of the business. Um, so yes, I did Decorex for the third time, and this uh-huh. it was just amazing this time which was a relief it was a relief that I got there didn't get COVID and um, everybody else seemed to get there because it was really full so that was just really nice and I think everybody really wanted to get out and see different products um, actually see things in real life so that was that was great but yes I've done all sorts I've done surface design show Clarkwell design week was great and that's also led on to I think it's the people that you meet there really which maybe I wouldn't meet in my day-to-day life in my studio in Leeds um as a result of one of the trade shows, um, we were on Your Homemade Perfect on BBC Two earlier this year. Uh, that was the Great. court wallpaper, which was just unbe- unbelievably good publicity. And that just came out of a chance meeting. Um, I think it was Clarkmile Design Week. Um, mm-hmm. So I think really good things can come out of trade fairs. But I would say it's not like certainly in this industry – I mean, I know friends in different industries where it's a bit different. It's not like I come back with a big wadge of cash and loads no. of orders. I think it's a slower <laughs> build. It it yeah, it's a slower build, but um, yeah, for us, it's definitely definitely worthwhile. Oh, years ago, trade shows trade shows were about taking orders, weren't they? People, you know, literally had their notebooks out there and they would literally take orders on stands. Um, especially, you know, even at high tech, still massive, massive um, opportunities. But now it's very much about be connecting with your audience, isn't it? Really, and making those those really important connections and networks that you need, and not just you know customers, but also to the press as well. The London press, all of it, you know, helps to expand reach. Really does. Um, Charlotte, do you also find that it's, that the trade show gives you an opportunity to meet your clients face to face, engage reaction to your collections, that helps you move forward? Yes, um, I mean we had great reaction um, to our new fabric, which is called All Tomorrow's Futures. Uh, this time at Decorate, so that was amazing. Um, I would say at Decorate, it's like almost like a bit very. You don't really get to spend any time with people. It was it's like maybe thirty seconds to a minute where people yeah. kind of come on the stand, have a look, really like it, might take a couple of photos, and then move on. So yes, it's really nice to meet people face to face. But I would say that it's maybe not the best place for an in-depth conversation um, no. in my experience. But um, but it's nice to get that kind of initial thing. And obviously, we have a lot of um, our customers come back as well. So it's always really nice to kind of see people for a few years in a row, keep visit, keep coming back. That's lovely. It is. It is. It's, it's nice to see familiar faces, especially after 18 months where none of us could. <laughs> so, yes. 
definitely, definitely fabulous. Um, Charlotte, tell us, how on earth do you juggle all the business functions that are required in running an interior brand? Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty massive juggle and just like a just a really big learning curve. And I, I take it really seriously, but I try not to beat myself up about doing it perfectly. And sometimes I think, oh, I should have done that better. But, you know, you yeah. can only just do what you can do um, and just sort of be pleased with what you, what you have achieved, I suppose. At the moment, I'm trying to develop better systems um, and processes so that things can run more efficiently and I can de- delegate tasks better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's a really good experience. I, I'm quite a hands-on person. And I, I really value the fact that I've had to do every single job myself so that yeah. I really understand that job. And certainly like the I've, the website I do completely on my own. Um, but most things really like awards applications and all that kind of thing. So it's, it's nice to, to have done it yourself, even though in the future I might have to delegate yeah. it, but at least, at least I know how okay. to do it now. Definitely. It also allows you to grow your business organically, doesn't it, really? Yes, which is, I'm like in it for the long term. So yeah. that's really what I want to do. I'm not just sort of out there to make um, some fast money and then leave, you know. I, I you want to have this business for as long as I can, really. So, yeah. so it's both yeah. a business choice and a lifestyle choice then as well, isn't it? Really building the brand. Yes. Yeah, with a great ethos as well, because it's such a fantastic creative community that you're involved with, really. It's, it's such a lovely business model. Charlotte, tell me, um, has social media been a big part of your growth? Um, I think it's important, but mm-hmm. maybe it's not as big of part of our growth as it is for other brands. Um, okay. Maybe because um, I suppose we do a lot of business to business um sales and i mean like instagram's quite quite important for us um in terms of building trust um in the community but maybe i'd say that that runs alongside um other avenues like trade fairs and it's probably like we've we've never worked with we've not really worked with influencers or done anything like that maybe that's something that um we need to work harder at but yeah i'd say it's it's important but it's not it's not a huge part of the business. Yeah, yeah. I think I think your artisans are the best influencers. The people that do it, they're the best stories. The the creatives, aren't they? Definitely, definitely. They are, although most of them are not very sociable. So, um, oh, that's you know, so, that's so, so true, actually. Yeah. So that's that's not that doesn't always work. Doesn't always so translate. Well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. Yeah, never thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Charlotte, what is your vision for the future of the Monkey Puzzle Tree? It's been such a joy to talk with you. Let's hear about what you plan to do next. Well, we've got a couple of uh, amazing new designs coming out and um, because there's so much work involved in those and they're going to be still pushing the boundaries and still doing something new and also going to cost a lot of money, they're going to be coming out um, next year. Got a new wallpaper with Josephine Mukiebua, and then the year uh-huh. after, um, it'll be a fabric with um, Simacor. Um, and yeah, I just want to really grow the brand so that we can really pay, um, you know, give our artists the the aim really is to give them a sort of small monthly wage from the royalty so that they they don't have to that kind of covers them and they're not worrying too much about yeah. how much of their other you know how else they're going to make money. That's yeah. that's a big aim of it. Um, and I just want to keep doing new and really exciting things, I suppose. Um, 
can grow grow the brand that way, but in a completely organic, authentic way. Um, we're not rushing into anything. We just want to sort of gradually grow, just producing really beautiful product that's made locally. It's growing sustainably, I guess, aren't you? Yes, definitely. Charlotte, are you still on? Are you are you constantly on the lookout for new artisans? So, is anybody listening? Are they, you know, is the door open? Are you looking to partner with new people from the northwest? From the north, not the northwest, the north. Um, sadly, not really in the moment because okay. um, we, we've well, as I've just said, we've kind of got a bit of a backlog post COVID. Um, yeah. So we're already know what we're doing till twenty twenty three. Um, so I, yeah, probably, probably not at the moment, sadly. Not I right mean, now. It's just, yeah. no, it just takes, I think it, what we do as well is it's, we're just not knocking out designs. They take so long to do and it's such a huge investment as well that, you know, it's like a really, it's a really big commitment. So yeah, yeah. I, I won't be looking for anybody new for a while, sadly. Yeah. So it's not, it's not about more collections, is it? It's about truly is supporting about the longevity of the relationship that you've yes. built with the artisans and the mills as well which is yes which absolutely is really fabulous Charlotte we're nearly nearly at the final question and I think you know it's been an absolute joy to talk with you today and it really has been great to learn more about the monkey puzzle tree what advice would you give to an emerging designer or artist that's new to interior decor um I'd say that you really need to put thought into working out what your brand will stand for and look like and you need a strong design direction to stand out uh from the crowd um and also think about where you're positioning your brand like this if you're small you can't really set you can't compete in price with you know big like john lewis or someone so you've got to do yeah. something that's really different from what other big companies are doing and also look at your pricing long term are you you know are you going to be able to st- sustain buying that or making that product at that price have have you got your costings right i think that's quite yeah. quite important um and also i think it takes a really really long time to be uh to build an interior brand well maybe it has done for me anyway um, <laughs> so don't expect success straight away um and i also think if you're going to run your own brand you, you've got to be comfortable taking everything on sort of finance marketing sales website working with manufacturers um, and you only spend a really tiny proportion of your time actually designing. So I think that's quite an important point to make as well. I have a lot of people um, of people asking me if they can do design work experience. I'm always like, well, probably spend 1% of my time doing design. So, and actually yeah. I kind of want to do that myself. Um, so yeah, the, I think when you run your own brand, the, the reality of it is that very little of your time is actually spent designing. And I think that's that's quite an important thing that you need to think about if you're going to start your own brand. Um, and I think you just need to make sure that you're very passionate and driven and focused. Um, and you really need that to sort of see you through the the bad times as well as the good times. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it also kind of reinforces what you're doing, doesn't it? In that you are, by by your, you working with the creatives, you're allowing your creatives to remain creative because you're supporting them with all of the business functions. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and that just takes way longer than you'd ever imagine, I think, the other stuff. So. It definitely does. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it can look very luxurious from the outside, but business is business, isn't it, regardless of what you're manufacturing? It's always yes. hard work, but worth worth it in the end. And I think, Charlotte, you know, to be recognised with the best in British product design and also to get a design guild mark um, in the last 18 months is a fantastic achievement. 
Um, and congratulations again there. Really is wonderful, wonderful news. Charlotte, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I've asked you so many questions and taken up so much time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's been lovely. Thank you. No, it's, it's great. It really is wonderful to hear all about your brand. And I'll make sure that the links to your website, um, et cetera, all of those things will be in the show notes for people to find out and discover more about the Mulkey Puzzle Tree. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Debbie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.